2: Fake Limbs are a noisy rock band who hail from the west side of Chicago, Illinois. Known for creating a kind of social justice street rock that's exhilarating and outspoken, the band formed in 2011 and have released three acclaimed full-length albums, including 2016's Matronly, which is out now via Don Giovanni Records. Fake Limbs have been on the road a bunch of late, and before their show at the Silver Dollar in Toronto the other day, Lead singer Stephen Soley and I ate some pizza at Fresca, located just west of College and Spadina. Great pizza place. We ate some pizza, then we hung out there in Fresca, and we talked about Chicago and Toronto, his time managing Steve Albini's electrical audio studio, uh, one of the worst election night outcomes of all time, his band, and much more. It was a fun hang for us, so... Here you go. Stephen Soley of Fake Limbs on Creative Control.
0: You know, you know, you know. so you know?
2: Stephen, oh. Steven, welcome uh, to Toronto. Oh, thank you. It's nice, nice to have you in, the, in our city. You're returning to Toronto. I am. I am. This is uh,
1: the third time I've been here. Oh man, more, maybe more like the fourth time I've been here in a year, right? Because
2: you, you've not only played in bands, but you've roadie for bands. Yeah, well.
1: I do some roadie and started uh, doing a little bit of tour managing kind of stuff. That uh, I feel like it's like I, I I don't feel like I'm seasoned enough to say like yeah I, yeah I tour manage. <laughs> so I just yeah I'm just kind of like dipping my toes into that right now. Right. Well, How is it going? Are
2: you I think it? it went really
1: well. Like um, the. I did one tour with this Norwegian pop artist, or experimental pop artist named Jenny Haval, and I think that went really well they uh she sent me a thank you email
2: right like a week later, which was very nice um if you were tour managing, you probably would have had that done earlier, right You would have put it on an agenda for her, and like she would have done it like the day You're like a week that's yeah. a little yeah post yeah. post tour checklist <laughs> send solely a thank you note <laughs> well, that's cool, that's yeah. nice. And so then
1: I did a tour over the summer with Screaming Females, which is not tour managing because they are a band that's like so self-sufficient that they do it all themselves. They just want it. They just like having somebody else in the van to help lug gear and sell merchandise. Yeah, and sure. Stuff, so. Drive? Do you drive? Oh, no, they won't let me drive.
2: They won't let you drive.
1: No, um, I'm not on their insurance. Oh. And one time they one time they had a roadie drive and he got into a car <laughs> <laughs> accident oh. and
2: so they were like no you can't do it I'm a bit of a control freak I like to drive
1: yeah I like driving too because if I'm in a car and I'm not driving I immediately fall asleep really yeah like <laughs> <That's> there, <laughs> immediately
2: you just immediately fall right asleep I don't know like
1: I maybe not immediately like if I'm going like if I'm going to the grocery store with my partner and they're driving then, yeah. I'm, then I'm awake right but like today I slept I think I slept like eh, 6 7 hours the, last night in and the ca- in the not, car not not in the oh, car oh. like at at the place we were staying last night and then we get in the car and it's a it's like a 3 hour drive maybe 4 from Detroit to Toronto mm-hmm. And after we crossed the border, I immediately fell asleep and didn't wake up until 12. You're so, a napper. You're or a, until 4. You're, yeah. You're just a big napper. I guess so, but I don't nap at home. Oh. Like, I, like I rarely ever nap when I'm at home.
2: You have a gift. Because I wish, you know, traveling on planes and cars, it can mm. be tedious. Yes. All I wish is, and I'm usually exhausted. I could be on two hours sleep on a plane. I can't sleep. I can't do it
1: the the plane is kind of a different oh, struggle okay. for me um, I, the the flights that i really want to sleep on i cannot fall asleep mm. like anytime i go overseas um, i will either end up in a in a situation where i'm seated and in a very tight <laughs> i'm a i'm a large person You're i'm like 63 yeah. yeah i'm a little wide um, and i Will get into one of these like tiny, tiny coach seats and can't move. And then immediately the person in front of me like reclines. (laughs) So my knees are just like into my chest. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. (laughs) And then, so that was, that's one instance. But I think my favorite one was there was a, a flight to Barcelona and I had a lot of leg room, but we, I was seated in front of the giant movie screen oh. on the airplane. Right. Some was, of those.
2: Pla- some of the planes have that. Right. Yeah. Just the one screen. The one screen. Right.
1: Like a little, like a little theater on the flight, and they were showing some. Who's the gentleman? Not Polly Shore, but the who's an Encino man, Brandon. Brandon Fraser.
2: Brandon Fraser. Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. See, well, I have been One of the great prides of our land. <laughs> Is that we sent Brendan Fraser away. Away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was some movie where he's, like, in a desert for two hours. Uh, So it's just, like, bright orange and yellow, like, while you're trying to, like, keep your eyes shut. And you just have that, like, bright hue over your eyelids. So I couldn't sleep at all.
2: <laughs> Are you a blindfold guy? Do you ever sleep with no, a blindfold?
1: No, I've, I've never tried that.
2: You might appreciate this story. I was in Halifax for the Halifax Pop Explosion, which mm-hmm. is a music festival a few years ago. And Danny Brown was playing that year. Mm-hmm. So Danny Brown and I and, and his DJ end up being uh, on the same flight from Halifax to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Early morning flight. And Danny Brown, I noticed this. I'm a big Danny Brown fan. I noticed that he's in my, the waiting area and he's dressed head to toe in leather. Head to toe in leather, black leather, <laughs> and it works out that his DJ ends up sitting beside me on the flight. I strike up a conversation with the DJ, saying that the show was really great, mm-hmm. and it turns out we have the same seats. Danny is up ahead. At one point, uh, I go to use the bathroom on the plane, and when I come back, I, I get to see Danny Brown, and he's still head to toe in leather. But his blind—he's wearing one of those blindfold things, mm-hmm. you know, for sleeping, a sleep mask. What do you call those things? I think they're called a sleep mask. Sleep mask. He doesn't sure. have apnea, but mm-hmm. he's got like the thing ab- across yeah. his eyes. Also leather. It matched the whole outfit. He had a black leather sleeping blindfold thing. That's and I, I thought uh, that was magical. So yeah, he's I a think fashionable man he is, but who itemizes their sleep blindfold? I just thought that was an, an, an extra step too far. I think that's wonderful. I <laughs> um, should try it. Uh, I don't wear a lot of leather. No, it doesn't have to be leather. Yeah, I just the next time you're you're forced to watch a even peripherally a Brendan Fraser desert movie, you need a some kind of Danny Brown blindfold. The
1: the, the flight where I was crushed, it, like I was. My plan was <laughs> to get very drunk before getting on the plane because I was like, oh, I'll just pass
2: out, and um, that was your plan. That was, I'm going to commit an FCC violation and get on this flight. That's what I'm going to do. I'm a good drunk. Like I can, You would be just, a jolly... I could just be very to...
1: reserved and be like, I'm very comfortable and good night.
2: You think you're charming <laughs> enough that they'd be like, you know what? We like you. You go fly the plane. You seem a little tipsy, but we like you. You seem like a nice guy. The pilot's going to like you up there.
1: Look, I didn't say I was going to fly that plane. <laughs> you're putting words I in am. My I am. I'm sorry. But I was like, I was crushed in the seat and... It's like, oh, my God, this is horrible. This sucks. And the person in front of me who, like, did the recline yeah, move. Yeah, I hate that move. He he turned to his to his friend or wife or whomever, and he's like, hey, they got Ted on the flight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I
1: was like, oh, oh my no. God, he's I gonna- hate <laughs> America so much. And we got off the – and so we got to the – we got to England. And got to, we were going out to All Tomorrow's parties, and we saw one of the organizers from All Tomorrow's parties, and he was like, "How's your flight?" He's like, "It was horrible. It was just awful." He's like, "Did you watch TED on the flight?"
2: <laughs> Somehow he knew whatever was
1: whatever was he showing. Scanned
2: what was showing ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. That's yeah. a bad situation. Mm-hmm. We are at uh, one of my favorite pizza places in the world.
1: Yeah, this is like a this is like a slice harvester kind of thing. Are <laughs> slice you fam- harvester. Are you familiar I'm with that? I'm not familiar with that. There's this um, person, uh, Colin Colin Atrophy, who does uh, he he wrote a fanzine about um, all of his like he reviewed every pizza joint in Manhattan. Oh. Um, Every borough and like, so every issue, not every borough, but um, different sections of Manhattan. And he would write a fanzine about each one. Um, But he had a radio show on, I believe it was on WFMU for a little while, where he would take a friend out and interview them over a slice of pizza. Oh, yeah! wow. Mm -hmm. And it was called? It was called Slice Harvester. Slice
2: Harvester. Yeah. That's an amazing concept. Yeah. I used to have a similar show, but it was over breakfast. Right. I talked to musicians over breakfast. That was a a fun thing I used to try to do. And it made me very... I I put on a lot of weight (laughs) talking to people over meals and as soon as I stopped I lost like 25 pounds.
1: Colin is very skinny and I think uh, they were asked like how did you eat all that pizza and stay so skinny (laughs) and they said well I live on a fifth floor walk up. Right.
2: (laughs) Well we're at uh, Fresca which is uh, basically college in Spadina Mm -hmm. in Toronto and uh, you know you're from Chicago Yes. Uh, and Chicago uh, in some circles is known as America's Toronto. Really? (laughs) Well, or maybe it's vice versa. I don't (laughs) know what the comparison is. But there seem to be some similarities between Chicago and Toronto. Do you see them in your visits here? Does it bring back memories of home? I
1: personally found more similarities to Chicago uh, with Chicago to Montreal.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
1: um, I grew up near Montreal. I grew up in a little border town in upstate New York. So my sister went to McGill. I would go to Montreal all the time um, when I was younger. And when I was trying to figure out where I wanted to live after after graduating from school in upstate New York, um, I a friend had rec- recommended Chicago and I was always attracted to the music scene there. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I so I went out to visit and I noticed like every neighborhood had its own distinct personality and a strong sense of community within that neighborhood. And I found that when I would like hang out in montreal oh interesting yeah
2: interesting yeah
1: so i my time here in toronto is always way too brief it's usually like a day or two i don't so like and it's usually around here right or like queen street right um so i don't i don't know if i i don't think i'm i'm informed enough to to compare the two you're
2: also here mostly at night yeah so you don't have a sense of what it's really like in the day. In the daytime, yeah. yeah.
1: I think I think cl- like a total number of days that I've spent here. Daytimes have been like maybe 3.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to color your impression too. Mhm. I mean, I don't think it's for nothing that some movie scouts will choose Toronto as a cheaper location to duplicate Chicago. Sure. For some reason that's a thing that happens all the time. Is
1: there is there also, like, the Second City
2: connection? Yes, there's Second City. We have a Lakeshore Boulevard. Oh, you guys have a Lakeshore yes. Drive. We have, and we, what do you got, Lake Michigan? Is that what you're on? Yes, Lake Michigan. And we got Lake Ontario and right. one of the five Great Lakes. I mm-hmm. feel like there's something yeah. connecting us. Sure. And bit. the comedy
1: thing is always. Comedy? Yeah. That's like, true.
2: Yeah. Big comedy scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Mike Myers was part of... This second city Maybe not the Chicago second city Right But, and, but I mean like Even in
1: the early years Not yep. early years But like so, I mean Jesus Like second city's like 50 years old Yeah they're it's over old over 50 now I think so You know that overlap between Like John Candy And Joe Flaherty right. and I think Were they in Chicago At some point I think so Yeah I
2: think so I mean I'm a little foggy On my history But I think that's right hmm. Candy was I mean those guys Are Canadian They're all Canadian Yeah They probably went down there. Probably. I mean, I think of the Blues Brothers, the movie The Blues Brothers. Are you a fan of that as a Chicagoan? I am. (laughs) Because I think some of that was Toronto and some of it was Chicago, if my memory serves. And I I feel like that was a nice cultural bridge between our two cities. I don't know why. I'm a fan of
1: the movie. I don't think I like the idea of... Dan
2: Aykroyd <laughs> trotting out the blues. Yes, of really course. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, I, it's it's an abomination now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, I think in the in the film is just chaos. Yeah, it's just a chaotic jaunt through Chicago. John Landis, I think, made it. Mm-hmm. It's nutty. It's a nutty movie.
1: And it's almost it's almost like a musical. It
2: is basically a musical. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and but it's very violent, and lots of stuff gets broken, and and <laughs> and broken. destroyed. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, just. I think of that when I think of Chicago, and I, I bring it up also because we had pizza, which your mm-hmm. city, Chicago, is very famous <laughs> for. It's pizza, but I, sure. as I understand it, you don't love your hometown's pizza. Yeah,
1: I and I think hometown is a funny word because right. I I am not I was not born or raised in Chicago, but I, and there are people that have been born that. Are born and raised there. That will remind you that this—that is not your home. Right, you right. Know, like you're not really from Chicago. You come lived, from away. Yeah, I've lived there for 15 years, and I—I'm <laughs> every now and then someone will be like, "Yeah, you're not from here." I'm like, "Yeah, I know," but I. Someone will just say that to you, you randomly I mean? for no reason. I mean, they won't stop me on the oh. street and be like, "You." <laughs> You're not, <laughs> You're not from here.
2: <laughs> well, these days you might you know you don't oh, know. Oh and yeah, it might be happening now. it might happen soon. <laughs> is, it, is Chicago in a good state of mind these days? I think I think the Cubs? Mm, yeah, was that that exciting was a pretty for you? cool? Did week. that mean anything for you? Well, that was
1: a funny night because again, I was on tour of screaming females oh, right, right. and leading up to those leading up to the okay, so game seven was the night. Screaming Females played in Chicago. Oh. So, leading up to that show, the days the days before that show, we were all very much like, we have to be paying attention to this game. Right. Because we don't want to be there if it goes into game seven and we win,
2: or we, the Cubs win. Right, you weren't on the field. I was... <laughs> you were not suited up for that game. No. We nor did I clear. streak. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> should be clear about that. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um, so we all of us were kind of just like i kind of hope they don't win or like they they should eat. hopefully they'll either win in four or the the indians will just destroy them right and we won't have to deal with this and then and so as the, as the days progressed and then it was like okay it's game 7 everybody in screaming females was like this is exciting i hope the cubs win right and i'm like you you want them to win now. Like, we were all talking about how we don't want them to win, but okay.
2: Wait a minute. Why wouldn't you... I, I would think that win or lose, if you're in Chicago, no matter what, day of game seven, mm-hmm. it's going to be something. It's either going to be a celebratory kind of chaos. There's going to be... I don't know. Would Chicago... Chicago what, am I gonna, what am I saying? Chicago is a riot town. It would riot. Chicago's a riot town, but also Chicago...
1: Oh, boy, you're going to get comments. <laughs> Chicago's kind of a loser town. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're
2: used to it. They're like numb, yeah. numb to losing. Exactly. I mean, the team was allegedly cursed for crying out loud. Yeah. People yeah. Uh, were so hard done by by this baseball team that they thought a goat was responsible for a lot of their woes <laughs> and that it put a curse on their team. That's how silly things got. Yeah. Which is kind of an emotional force field from engaging with your feelings. To blame it on a... A goat. a goat, right? Right? It's mm-hmm. just to be like, it's not our fault. It's not the team's fault. It was a goat from many years ago, decades ago. A goat occurred, or Bartman. Like, there's always something. There's always like, yeah, blaming. Bartman was you really
1: know. rough. Like, that was so unfortunate. And, well, I'll I'll just say this quickly, but because I do kind of want to mention Steve Bartman, <laughs> but um, I had, I I I feel like. Chicago is not the type of city that will burn it down if they lose. They'll just be like, we lost. That's our lot in life. That's our lot in life. Let's have another drink and then we'll go home and be sad. So that night, the band I'm in, Fake Limbs, had played. We opened that show.
2: Oh, you happened to open that one? Yeah, yeah. We
1: we were opening and I said at some point, like we went on and, and the Cubs were up. By like, I think like three points or
2: something like that. Three runs. You're points? not you're not a baseball guy. Clearly, generally, <laughs> but really. because Chicago was involved, you had to kind of engage a little bit. Plus, you've been surrounded by baseball fans in your work mm-hmm. at least a little bit, so you probably have some vague awareness of how it works. Yeah, and yet you called them points. <laughs> you still call them points, but that's fine. I'm gonna. I'm going to let it pass. They are runs. You corrected yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, three runs. As it yeah. came out of my mouth, I was like, nope, that's not the It's okay. I don't. The uh, word. It happens to the best of us. So they're down by so, three runs. Or yeah. no. They were up, up by, by three. Up by three runs. Right.
1: And during our set, I had said, all I want from this game is I want Steve Bartman to be able to walk the streets comfortably Winner Liz, lose, I just want that man to uh-huh. have a nice, peaceful life because I think it's really. Uh, is he still in the city? Like, is he? I you, don't know. Oh, there you, was a documentary about him. Right. One of those ESPN. I watched that one. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's like he's in hiding. Somewhere. Yeah, that's
2: right. I don't think he's. I don't in, think. I think he's like in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> that's summer, <laughs> which Florida. Is perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like. Yeah. Go as... Far as you can. (laughs) To one of the worst places in the country. Sure. If I might say. Okay, now Uh, you're going. Now I'm going to get some (laughs) comments. It's not a good place. I don't think it's a good place. We've seen it uh, time and time again. Um,
1: Uh, Anyway, so... So, I've mentioned that. I say I just want... I'm like, I'm tired of this person being blamed for the fact that there was a... Like, you had a team that just couldn't cut it. Yeah, yeah. And we come off stage and... We check the score, and it's now tied. Right. And a woman came up to me, and she says, "You just you invoked Bartman. Now they're tied. Right. This is now your fault." It's a
2: maniacal belief in <laughs> curses and fate, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I don't, but I guess you got to cling to something. Sure. And it might as well. <laughs> it's weird. That Bartman became this mythical person for catching a. Did he even catch the ball? Yeah, he, he, he caught did, it. it was he like, did catch the ball. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course he, he did. He was like,
1: if, had he not caught it, there would have been an out.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's the legend
1: of Steve Bartman. But he also does, like, he was doing something everybody Everyone does.
2: It just happened to be a pretty con- a consequential point of the, point of the game. Mm-hmm. And, I, but they won. But and they won. I, from afar, I will say, I was very excited. It was exciting. Um, I think the, uh, they became America's team on some level because they were such, as you say, losers. I mean, the whole city. Sometimes uh, <laughs> I don't think the the Cubs were underdogs, right? They're yes. just the 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 the, uh, the franchise itself mm-hmm. was just this underdog. Yeah, uh, they're never going to do this thing, and. You know, I had the. We were talking about the last time I was in Chicago. It was the last time we probably saw each other, mm-hmm. uh, and I got to go to Wrigley Field. I got to go to a Cubs game at the kind of the last minute, and it uh, really had a profound effect on me because mm. I've only seen baseball games in Toronto mm. at the uh, Skydome, whatever they changed the name. I think they're going to change it back, and it's a horrible experience. It's just like bombast and music all the time and jumbotrons and contests and mm-hmm. it's gross and the fans suck. <laughs> they're throwing shit on the field and airplanes and they're just gross and stupid. Mm-hmm. I go to Wrigley. It's like a reverent. I'm, I'm saying this about Chicago which you probably think you might think this is absurd. But people seem like there was none of that. There was mm. no it was an old school. It's the second oldest yeah. uh, ballpark ugly. in the in the whole yeah. country and it, it's uh, beautiful. None of that stuff. I feel like they announced the ads were all like a guy being like, "And hey, if you want insurance, go down and see Mitch. Like, it was very, like, folksy. <laughs> home- homes yeah, fan. and it was great. <laughs> I loved it. And people were engaged with the game. Mm-hmm. They weren't just, like, taught. it was great. I thought that was a great experience. And so I bought, uh, my son and I, I bought us some uh, Cubs hats. as just a memento. My son wasn't there, but uh, I thought I'd bring home some stuff. And so we wear them all the time. Mm-hmm. And people have taunted me in canada for wearing these cubs hats and uh, my son and i and uh and then they won and i felt good like i felt like i had a connection to the team i like you love chicago mm. as a city the music yeah. from chess records on <laughs> has meant <laughs> That's so growl of you That's so it's so growl but it's true <laughs> I, I i love chicago and it's yeah, it's I, uh, funny that you mentioned Dave Grohl there. I never <laughs> thought of that. It's true. That's kind of what he did with that thing. That oh my God! HBO yeah. thing. Were mm-hmm. you inv- were you there when they were shooting? Oh that? yes, yep. Because you used to work at Electrical Audio. Yes, uh, yeah. which is the studio that uh, Steve Albini uh, co-owns. Co- he owns it. He owns it. He yeah. owns it and co-works at. Yes, he co-works. <laughs> as a guy, and so yeah, the Foo Fighters made this uh, HBO documentary. Yes. Anyway, you saw a lot of interesting people come through there. Yeah,
1: yeah, I did. Um, the uh, one of the so the first three sessions I had to work on at Electrical, I got hired there in 2006. What was your role? Studio manager.
2: That's right you you are you are uh, called upon to administrate <laughs> tours or studios. People look at you as a guy that is a figurehead and will keep every keep you know, get everyone under control, hold I'm, the reins.
1: I'm going to run into the street.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got this uh, thing about you. You've got this aura that oh. you you should be in charge. <laughs> Thank that's you. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> I defer to you. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, wow. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm honored. So um, in 2006, you... 2006,
1: yeah. I was hired to manage the studio there. And so the first three sessions that I had, like on the calendar walking into they were already booked and i had no control (laughs) over it uh the first one was this um band from jip from japan called mono right i'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with very very nice band very sweet the second session was iggy Iggy and the stooges right which
2: was (laughs) i i don't think i think are you a fan oh yeah huge fan huge fan the second session Second, session. second, second. Was what does that mean, though? Is that like the next week? Is that the next? It was like, yeah, it was like I think maybe two weeks. Two weeks. Two in. weeks
1: after getting hired. Wow. Yeah. Um, which, in a way, is kind of the the best way to get thrown into that kind of work, sure. where it's like, okay, this is uh, this is as, as high as it's gonna get. <laughs>
2: uh, well, it's a it's a it's a business that makes records, mm-hmm. and they help people make records. So you're going to get. Some legendary people, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably what you thought. I'm like, I guess this is a possibility every time. Yeah. He's like, and you know, Steve, Steve was in charge of that session. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and Steve has a good track record of working with people he admires. Yes. And so, you know, you'd be like, I guess what's third week, ACDC? What's come? What's the, happening the here? The third
1: session after that was uh, the breeders. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, so. Also, you were a fan. Yeah. Okay. And like high school crush. Right. Like, of course, like. Sure. Yeah. Um, So it was kind of, it it was perfect in this way of like just being thrown right into the deep end of like, you get this out of your system. Like after this, you're really not going to be phased by whomever walks in the door. Right. Um, Which was perfect. Like it's, it's kind of even like, even Steve, like, I listened to big black records when I was a Ooh, teenager sure, yeah, yeah. and loved shellac when I was a teenager. And it's, like, the the first job I had in Chicago was at a record store called Reckless Records. Great store. Great store. Yeah. Um, pretty much that is, like, point zero for me in terms of, like, everything that's happened in my life in Chicago. Whatever job I got out of it, like, I bartend. Um, so, like... I got a bartending job out of working at Reckless. I got DJ gigs out of working at Reckless. I met my partner out of working, working right. at Reckless. I got a job at Electrical from working at Reckless. The first day that I had to work there, I had to wait on Steve. Oh. Like He came in, and it was like watching a cartoon move around. And... I like and this is somebody who I like really admire. I still admire him. I shouldn't say that in the yeah. past tense. But it was totally shocking in this way of being like, "Oh my god, this here's this dude and he's thumbing through his wallet. He's doing regular sure, stuff." Sure, right. He, he
2: became a human being to
1: you. Yeah. Right. Same with like Iggy Pop where it was like, "Oh, he's just napping on the couch." He just had to borrow forty dollars from from him. you <laughs> yes. of all people. He's like, "Can I borrow forty dollars?" Like, I got to mail something to my wife, man, and I don't have any money. And
0: it's, it's like, oh, "Okay,
1: dude, I got your FedEx covered." And, he's, and like, he would like walk out of the office. he's like, "Don't ever get married." <laughs> and like, like, okay, okay, all right, egg. <laughs> he's a nice guy. He's a very, he was very nice. He yeah. seems like a down to earth, sweet guy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, after everything that he's been through yeah. like he seems pretty grounded yeah um the election night my partner and i I'm were like we don't need to be in the house we have done our work we have voted there is no point in being around the house and like sweating so let's just go see the iggy and the stooges documentary,
2: which by jim Jarmusch. yes which uh, i enjoyed yeah, I thought it was really, I thought it was really great Iggy's amazing, every time Iggy's on stage it's great Yes Or on screen rather, I thought this is, he's just so compelling and mm-hmm. funny And I, I really enjoyed it I did, I did notice it and people made fun of me when I pointed it out I thought that uh, it was odd they didn't really cover the period in at Electrical Yeah in any way, in they any barely way. alluded to it. Like yeah. they mentioned the record. There was a photo, a photo of Ron
1: Ashton in Studio A,
2: right? Like, yeah, at Electrical, right? Mm-hmm. And and meanwhile, like I spoke with James Williamson for my for this show mm-hmm. around the end of Iggy and the Stooges, basically, like they were playing this Riot Fest show in Toronto, and they were, uh, I guess it was all over the place. But then they, I was t- talking to them for that occasion, and he, I asked about the weirdness, which he wasn't a part of, right? And he said it was a terrible record, and um, they needed a producer, and it wasn't produced. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, as a fan of Steve's as well, I sort of said, uh, well, you know, Steve is an engineer. He's not really a producer, you know. He probably just, he's kind of a push-the-button kind of guy, I think. That's what the impression I've had Pretty is. Pretty much. Pretty yeah, much, yeah. right? I mean, he might have some ideas. And uh, James said, tellingly, well, that was the problem. <laughs> And I was like, oh, so there's tension. Well, my point is, like, I, that stuck out for me. Mm-hmm. And then in the film, the fact that they made this record, like, they kind of talk about how the Stooges came back. Yeah. To not really delve into how James felt about that record, which he was very frank with me about. Mm-hmm there's just tension there. It's an interest. And and the record was not received well at all. It was not received well. at all, Right. So it just, to me, maybe that's probably the, if it was a triumph, I'm sure they wouldn't have ignored it.
1: Yeah, sure. But
2: I, I did to me, I just, and people were like, ah, you're just saying that because you like Steve. And (laughs) I said, no, I mean, it's part of the story. And like, they also didn't really talk about Iggy's solo work that much. It was, which is fine. You've got to focus it. So,
1: but you would figure there's, there has to be some element of that to the story of like, Iggy went off and
2: started doing with James. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of that solo work was with James. Yeah, which they touched on a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But anyway, (laughs) it was
1: cool that they mentioned. I I was I was very happy that they mentioned "Destroy All Monsters" because I mean, I I think that's just a phenomenal band. Yeah, yeah.
2: But they yeah, that's That's what I mean. Just choices. There were choices Mm -hmm. there, and I saw it uh, at the Toronto International Film Festival, where sometimes they'll do like a. Not a rough cut, but they might trim. They they were known to like premiere a film here, Mm -hmm. and then before it hits wide release, they might tweak it or fix it or add stuff. And I wondered if they were going to do more Mm. to the film because, I mean, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It seemed, I liked it actually. I just liked the band, and there was all the kind of rare footage is amazing. Yeah, nice to see on the big screen. So. That's great, but let's go back to that night because you left your house. Left my house. Telling people, uh, I think you and me had the same view of the what was going to happen. Yeah. In that I follow American politics quite closely, mm-hmm. and I have, I was an adult for uh, Obama-Romney, and I remember everything in advance, they made it seem like a horse race that it wasn't. Right. The night of, he was, I consider it basically Obama- destroyed him mm-hmm. and electorally popular vote everything was fine yeah so you left your house admonishing worry warts <laughs> being like hey guys come on look, and I, remember- which I
1: quickly deleted <laughs> <laughs> <She laughs> you're like 3 in the morning right <laughs> you were like
2: hey remember you said the same thing that I had been thinking uh, right. to a, a friend of mine and who, who would check in with me every couple of weeks to say you still think she's gonna win like kind of sarcastically because mm. he I don't know what he was th- I was just like there's no way like It's unimaginable that this is going to go down that way. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way. He's done everything in his power to self-sabotage his campaign. There's nothing... He doesn't want to win. He's showing that every time he speaks. He does a little pivot towards trying to seem like a a reasonable person, and then he'll just go off script, they say, which Mm -hmm. was him, I think, deliberately trying to get out. Anyway, you post that. I noticed it, Mm. and I'm like because I was I'd started a thread with the caption disaster and people were writing uh, And this was early early Mm -hmm. on I just was like yeah he was supposed to win these states because that's what people were saying like early on that Mm -hmm. night oh yeah he's winning the ones he he was supposed to win right but I'm like no these margins don't seem right to me like he's slaughtering her in those states it should have been still he was favored so I started to be like, "Oh my god, he's going to win." And people are like, "No, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine." And then we all know what happened. Now, you leave the theater. I imagine you were a conscientious person during the film, you turn off your phone.
1: Oh, well, <laughs> I tried to turn off my phone. My partner and I were we were both the we were the only people in the theater. Like nobody. No, one was, no nobody else yeah, was there. Right. So I Tried to actively ignore my phone. Um, my partner, on the other hand, did not. They had their phone on. They yeah. had their phone on. Yeah. 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 Um, and I kept turning to them, and being like, "Will you please knock this off? Like, we can worry about this yeah. later." And I like looked over their shoulder, and they were just writing paragraphs on on what what was happening oh. in the moment. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to watch this movie, <laughs> but then. As I was saying that, my phone started blowing oh, no. up from right. friends right. who were just like, "I can't believe what's happening." I was like, "What is happening? Like, I'm like is California? Did California go red? Like, <laughs> West Coast? Where, was there we a secession?
2: <laughs> did something terrible happen?"
1: Yeah, yeah. But then it became obviously, it became very apparent what was happening,
2: and so you're in the movie theater with your partner, mm-hmm. and you and them are just, are you able to concentrate on the film? I I missed a couple parts. Right, because you're yeah. now you're talking to yeah you're talking exactly. to each other yeah and um, but
1: overall I feel like we st- we we still very much engaged with the film. Right. At a certain point we were both like, okay, let's just worry about this when we get out of here. Right. You know, and then we left and like immediately like in the elevator leaving the theater just like click the phones on and couldn't believe what was happening actually i hate to say that i couldn't believe it because i went around on this previous tour i went oh, around right. the whole country right and there was definitely a sense once you get out of cities where it's like oh yeah this this dude has a chance right and on top of that that a lot of his supporters didn't need to put up signs they already made their decision well in advance I feel like the the left-wing Democratic Party hadn't made up their minds that they were so committed to one candidate and then were kind of like, I guess we'll go with this other candidate. You're
2: saying that the Bernie people mm-hmm. loved Bernie, mm-hmm. and then when they had to choose not someone who wasn't Bernie, they were hedging their bets. They were just like... I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then, as that un- that saga unfolded, became clear that there was some collusion that it wasn't done properly mm-hmm. between the Democratic National Committee and both candidates. Frankly, but I mean, yeah, just clearly, they the fix was in. Yeah. So that wasn't going to bode well for Hillary Clinton. No. Either. No. So, which is so, it's confusing oh. to me. You didn't have the best they didn't have the best candidate Rather I I still thought she was a good candidate Overall mm-hmm. I was a Bernie person myself I'm from Canada so it doesn't I keep to keep all of this you know, take it all with a grain of salt like it doesn't right. really matter what I think mm. but I watching from above I from above from heaven <laughs> here in Canada I thought It's kind uh, of heavenly uh, yeah, here Yeah it is kind of This yeah. pizza place is amazing uh, I was like Yeah I was very furious mm. uh, And that was from a distance So I can't imagine and, and, and it subsequently has come out That a lot of people Who supported Bernie Really didn't reconcile With the fact that Hillary was the nominee no. and, and that clearly I mean from what I recall What was it like 48% of the total population Even bothered to vote Right And yeah. yet at the same time A lot of the Vote like the numbers were higher. Mm-hmm. That's bad. That's bad. How is that even a thing? I, I don't know how that how that happens.
0: But I mean, she I,
1: had, like, am I wrong? in, like, did she have more votes than Obama
2: uh, had? in, like, I feel like there was some. Uh, about that. I don't know. I don't okay. think she, she had two million more votes than Trump. Right. Uh, he had more votes than Romney. Mm. I doubt she had. Well, that can't be true. Okay, I'm a stone idiot. No, no, you're not. I just I'm trying to I'm trying to recall facts off the top of my head, and I right. you might be right, and uh, you should be right because you're American and I'm Canadian, <laughs> and you should know more than me. But uh, anyway, all this to say, it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you registered some. You were shocked. You were taken aback. I was taken aback. At the same time, you at could, the same time yeah. it was kind of like,
1: well. I guess I'm shocked because I live in this little bubble that is Chicago, Illinois. And
2: on Facebook even Oh my god, yeah. The echo chamber like, in there, yeah.
1: Yeah, the echo chamber in there is is really like if you were to just follow like the echo chamber of Facebook it was, would've been like Hillary won by a landslide. Right. But that wasn't the case and I it was I think what was shocking was the actual reality of it of just being like Oops, like oh my god this person who has no voting like has no voting record no record on policies or experience is now going to be in charge of this country right and that's really scary and it's scary that he has the vice president elect that he has yeah. like that that's for for people that are not white cisgendered Males, it's terrifying. Right. And, and I also, I don't, I feel like, hmm, I have to, I have to, be, I have to think about how I want to choose sure. my words. Sure. This no, one.
2: and I, 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 this is a complicated situation on some level. I mean, my, I will tell you while you're pondering what yeah, you want please. to say, that uh, I was, I have been quite shaken by this. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of people have been, but I mean, as a non american I think a lot of people around the world are are the same as me, just in a daze, disappointed, uh, and also feeling um, misinformed, ill-informed about the anger Mm. that exists in these marginalized rural communities. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think so many of us spend so much time championing... uh, uh, people who represent marginalized uh, races, um, maybe maybe genders, maybe uh, sexual orientation. I feel like class got lost in that somewhere down the line. Yeah, because we all laughed at it. Mm-hmm. We all of us. Uh, you know, I I follow so many comedians on Twitter and Facebook, and it just seems so improbable. Like, just how dark it's gotten since. Just the reality of, like, we were so off. Mm-hmm. We've been mocking. Because I've had long discussions with Americans on this show and Canadians about, in retrospect, I, I think I was on to something, maybe. Uh, the the fact that you can't really mock someone who's making a mockery of the whole process. Right? Like, his whole thing, he, and I've said this a, a numerous times, so anyone hearing me talk about it again, I apologize. But you probably haven't heard this, Stephen. hmm this, I feel like he handled himself like a stand-up comedian, right? Like, he was making a joke. Yeah. And I don't think he wanted to win. And I think he was pressing all the politically... C- political correctness buttons he could. Because he was going to go out in a blaze of whatever. Yeah. He, like, I, everything I've read is that he's shocked he won. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said earlier, he did literally everything he could not to win. hmm And now that he has won, he's got to grapple with that. Uh fact that he has to his life is over the life he had is done yeah no matter what secret service for the rest of his life he's Mm -hmm. a president Like he's he's done yeah and uh, and he was like a Teflon Don like he could do he seemed to be able to do as we've seen anything he wanted Mm -hmm. and that's over yeah and I think it's hitting him and yet, the that's I I don't have any problem with that. Good for him. Like, that's great for everyone. Yeah. But the the level of protest, the level of anger, and the hate crimes I've seen, like the anger on both sides mm-hmm. of of what of the, I don't even know what the two sides are, because I yeah. feel like there's multiple sides to this. Yeah, I think so. But the, the the protests I've been watching are sort of heartening, but also I just feel like, what are you gonna do, like? Right. Are we going to do this
1: every day? Yeah. For the next four years?
0: Yeah. What are you going to do? Some people if, might.
2: Some people might. And then, yeah. and the level of the horridness that he has unleashed upon the world in terms of people who didn't see it as a joke, didn't see his messaging as a joke, mm-hmm. honestly believe in the wall, honestly believe in the racial profiling, honestly yeah. believe in these things, and in, in basically white power. Mm-hmm. That's... I, he's a showman He's a clown I feel like On some level He has some conscience And I think that He must realize He, he hasn't said a word About any of this He hasn't Literally nothing <laughs> Nothing Nothing to quell it Nothing uh, Did you watch the Obama Thing I The did. meeting with Obama Where he just I, looks Shell shocked He looks yeah, terrified Yes Looks absolutely petrified he, he, he's, And he's like Talking about what an honor It is to meet him And like i This is basically A ploy for him To meet the president <laughs> because he just constantly needs affirmation and respect from these... Anyway, right. I'm all over the place with it because it's a complicated thing. There's a lot thing. to be... But as uh, an American uh, mm. living in Chicago, mm. which we have been told is a pretty volatile place to begin with, <laughs> and it, I mean, I've been told that by people on the show who sure. live there. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel? Like, to, to explain this, express I yourself.
1: I honestly don't know how I feel. The last couple of days uh, uh, that I was, I was in Chicago... I basically came home the day before election day, voted, kicked it with my partner. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of
2: what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our
1: prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/spoken today.
1: And then the and then I stayed around for another day before we went out on this tour and like so like Wednesday uh all day Wednesday both of us were just like in this as you were saying earlier, this fog of like, not really sure what the heck is going on, and being very sad and like, uh, not having much of an appetite, <laughs> and I, uh, so, so I don't I don't really know what hmm. it feels like in Chicago right now, unfortunately, because I'm not there. I know that the people in the community that I'm in. Um, are very angry and sad and upset and lost and not sure what to do. And I think there are some that are preparing in a sort of doomsday way to to prepare themselves for the next four years and make sure that they have the right medicine that they need or make sure that they have birth control, you know. Oh,
2: you mean literally medicine. I thought you yeah. meant some kind of spiritual <laughs> concept of like, I need to be healthy for this, but you mean literally.
1: Well, I think that's another thing that that, that people are worried about is, is like the gutting of ACA and like... I'm sure. I'm sure you're going to see an uptick in like people going to the dentist. Yeah, like
2: it's like you're. It's like you know you're losing your job and your insurance premiums are going to run out. Right. They're so just like,
1: there. cash, cash it all in. Um, it warms my heart to see so many people out in the streets making noise and and letting their voice be heard. Um, I don't know how I would feel had it gone the other way had Hillary won and that uh, and that protests would start happening. I don't think
2: those protests would happen. No? I was thinking about it today, watching the the kinds of people who protest are... I'm going to generalize horribly. We're going to get good. a lot of comments yeah, on this no. episode. I was just... Because wa- I was watching a, a live feed of a protest today. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Michael Moore, filmmaker hmm. Michael Moore, was uh, walking around with his phone... For about an hour and a half He might have gone back But he took a break After an mm. hour and a half And he marched All the way up To Trump Tower He got up On the escalator And he was taken He was able To get pretty far mm. And as he was up there The protest Was supposed to start Around uh, Trump Tower And the police All showed up And it was this Military state it was, it was kind of Frightening And he left the building But he ended up In the crowd eventually And he was talking To people And the whole time I'm like Where's the wave of Trump supporters. Mm. Aren't they going to counter this? It's going to be like that scene in The Dark Knight when... Or uh, what's the one? The last one. Anyway, the, the, the giant, you know, in the fight with Bane's yeah. guys. And the, yeah. and, the, and the cops. And the cops, and yeah. And all of a
1: sudden you, you're like, wait, am I rooting for
2: the police now? <laughs> what is this movie? <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, I did think to myself, like... The, for whatever, I can't think of too many. I guess you see them at uh, this. I don't even want to invoke this stuff, but you do see people protesting with signs at churches and medical clinics. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a right. Well, and I guess there's, and then all the fringe, like they're not even fringe anymore. I shouldn't say that, but the Klan will parade down the street. Oh yes, there's yeah. white nationalists do it sometimes, mm-hmm. but they don't have critical mass. Like I don't like i can't see i just in my head today i thought this it's funny you yeah. bring it up i don't if if hillary won i think people would have been angry i don't think they would have mobilized they don't seem like mobilization type people that's my this is my horrible generalization i think they mobilized to vote mm-hmm. i just can't see them taking to the street to protest the government right i just can't see it i kind of wish even though that's their whole thing like small government i hate the government I just don't see that happening it would be nice if the left could have could
1: have done the inversion i feel like the left has a problem with including everybody like like that is of the kind of leaning left i i think they get a little too nitpicky about certain causes and Mm -hmm. like i feel like the movement you have to have intersectionality in the movement in order to actively mobilize you see it in the protests you see you know you see people of color, you see, you see white people, you see transgendered people, and you see different, different classes of people out in the street. Right. Why can't they work together to kind of build up a candidate that everybody can get behind? Can
2: I tell you why? What hmm. What I think? Mm-hmm. There's a, there was a moment today as Michael Moore was. Michael Moore just had his phone, so he'd run into people who would want to either engage with him for selfies or talk to him about what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Or what he was, are you here to impeach Trump? What are you doing here? kind of thing. And a couple of the people that were opposed to what he was doing said stuff that stuck with me. And among them, a, a, a young man and his friend came up to him and said, Mike, Mr. Moore, I'm a, I'm a Muslim for Trump. I'm a Muslim for Trump. And he said, oh, well, okay, explain. Why would you do this? And he said, well, I think he, you know, I didn't trust Hillary. And I think that some of the things he's saying about Muslims is true, to which more naturally, intellectually said, this is a guy that's talking about banning you, deporting people like you. Why would you support him? And the brainwashing that occurred in this young kid was, well, I think he's right. I think we, as some of us as Muslims, have to prove ourselves. And Michael Moore said, what do you mean, prove yourself to whom? You're, are you an American? He's like, yeah, I'm an American. But I think some of us need to uh, really impress upon the powers that be that we're not bad people. And I was like, okay, so the it's it is beyond comprehension what has happened in this wow. election what it's done to people's psyches mm-hmm. what it's done to their self-esteem mm-hmm. they've bought it to the point where they're like you know he's we, 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 you, i would see these surrogates and again i i watched all the cable news and i it felt all like prop stuff like really they found a hispanic person for trump how is that even possible mm-hmm. but i think the brainwashing was so significant that it's going to be very difficult to bridge people together because I've seen uh, in, in, in all the critiques of who's responsible for this, people have critiqued intellectuals. People have critiqued people uh, for being so snotty in their intelligence that they ignored uh, these segments of communities that were just had this festering anger because they felt marginalized. Yeah. I'm of two minds of that because I'm not trying to sound snobby myself but you should be elevating the conversation like I feel badly that people people would say I don't understand Hillary Clinton Mm -hmm. she's speaking on a level that I it sounds like I I don't understand the words she's saying I understand everything Donald Trump is saying to me at the same time you had people saying that repeatedly saying he's his speeches are 6th grade level vocabulary he doesn't know it's incomprehensible so then you, it became class. It became uh, an education thing. I don't know. How, it's a, such a knot of stuff that I don't know how you find common ground between people who suspect all information, mm. don't feel, or don't... I don't even know if they feel this way, but they clearly maybe aren't equipped to process certain kinds of information. I don't know how else to put that, by the way. I'm not trying to sound like a dick. No, no. But that's what we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that this young kid thought that he had to prove himself to someone to exist... Yeah. ...is very... And, and that uh, it's heart, it was heartbreaking yeah. to me. That's and, <laughs> and, and I think that that's what's going on. I think people have just bought into some false American dream... Right. ...that they're, f- they're willing to sacrifice their culture and their beings to fit in. Mm-hmm. Fit into what? I don't know. Sorry, that was a very confusing rant, but I... No, I think, (laughs) I feel like... I just don't see how you can have middle ground when people are trying to speak on a rational level. Mm -hmm. Because that's what I saw in the end. People are trying to speak very rationally. Like, this guy that you're supporting doesn't have your best interest in heart. No, All the policies he's talking about are going to hurt you, specifically. I
1: feel like for a lot of the working middle class or whatever... Whatever the diminishing middle class is that voted for him, I
2: don't think they're aware of that either. That's yes. Yeah. They just all they heard was Hillary Clinton didn't know how to use her email. Right. That's all they heard. Oh, I yeah. mean and and she's been doing this for thirty years and her husband Yeah. But they <laughs> also
1: but but it's also it's also on the on the left it falls on the left too that yeah. they just trotted out this candidate who, you know, divided their own party. I yeah. mean just as much as Trump did, yeah. But in a, I think in a in a way that created more apathy, yeah. You know, yeah. It's it's weird, man. It's I I feel so badly strange. for you,
2: but I, I this has this has uh, global implications. It
1: does have global in-
2: implications. Mm-hmm. Your stupid, I, stupid yeah. country. <laughs> Wield so I much power. I will be power. the first to say that. <laughs> I don't mean stupid intellectually. I just mean it's a... Du- I, it, I, I, it's, it's so frustrating how consequential everything your country does is. <laughs> I can't... It's just... because, fr- You know, like we should have seen... We, I, I, Like I said, early in the night on election night I was like... I told you I, my friend and I had been texting and every time he was like, you still think she's going to win? Mm. Or he's not going to win? Mm. And I'd say... There's no way he can win. She's gonna win. Yeah, that's the common sense scenario. I think I'm in
1: a. I think I'm in a level of denial where I'm still expecting some sort of magic bullet thing to happen. Where it was like, oh no, we did something wrong, and we have to do this all over again. There's
2: a a, I, a real uh, push for that with the electoral People in the electoral college can actually change their votes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and
1: which is even more insane. It's like, quite a,
2: like <laughs> it. It just won't end. It won't. It won't. I mean, <sighs> you know what else I hate? Mm. And, and you're in a you're in a punk rock band called Fake Limbs that we have talked about very minimally, which is fine. <laughs> uh, the record's great, made friendly Thank by the you. way. It's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, but the other idiotic thing we're hearing in the wake of this is it's going to be good for comedy. It's going to be Ugh. good for punk rock. There is a and all I all I take away from it beyond it being the, the most trite, <laughs> stupid thing you could say. What I will say is what they're pointing to in both those forms, because that's the main forms I've heard it described. One of my being band mo-
1: bandmates wrote that on Facebook and I was like, you are so dumb. Yes.
2: <laughs> so my, but where I, where what I'm seeing, what I hear when I, if I step back and look at that horrible, horribly stupid, no offense to your bandmate. No, it's fine. It is dumb. It's it a is. dumb way of looking at, like, people's lives hang in the balance yeah. here. Yeah. Their their livelihoods, their lives, their existences on a daily basis, to equate that with anything. But but I what I, it does point what it points to in those two forms is their uh, penchant for critical analysis. Mm. That's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Comedians are the ones who make uh, critical observations about the world, uh, so they're going to have lots to think about. <laughs> Punk rockers are the same way. But I do think that it's interesting that. I think of all art and culture now as being so devalued. Hmm. It's interesting that they would that this scenario suddenly puts the onus on these expressions as gonna they're gonna have they're gonna I, I, the subtext to me is they're gonna get some good work out of this. We're gonna all reap the rewards of this horrible time in history, right? Because someone's gonna make a fucking great joke. Yeah, and that was that was my
1: reaction to it was like, oh, yeah, there was so much good music during Bush 2. Like, it's like, no, there wasn't. (laughs) There There really
0: wasn't.
2: (laughs) I mean, not that spoke... There probably... There were good records, but there wasn't really... I don't think... Like, I don't think it... Like I I didn't see people
1: mobbing the streets because house of jealous lovers by the rapture (laughs) was like i mean and that's a banger it's 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 a good track but like that theory was just like oh yeah this is gonna be such a cool thing it's It's such a
2: selfish stupid oh my god yeah but it does speak to maybe it speaks to this president the entertainer like he's just a show business president so it's just people's reflex was to be like there's gonna be some good show business out of this I I don't know what to say. I, I think we've said a lot. Yeah. I'm uh, confused as you are. I'm very confused. But you are the, I will say, what I'm very happy about is you are the first American I've spoken to. Oh, God. Since. <laughs> I mean, on, fi- on Facebook and stuff, you interact sure. with Americans and, and they all have their take. And I, I'm su- I'm not surprised. The The anger among Bernie supporters that had been kind of... Some of them had reconciled. Like, there's nothing we can do. This is the person they've chosen. Yeah. But that's resurfaced too. And even Bernie did a nice op-ed in the New York Times about the way forward. <sighs> I'm just struggling to find silver linings in this sh- shit yeah, cloud. Yeah. I
1: don't. I, yeah. I don't see any right now. Yeah. All I can hope for is that there's a greater amount of empathy in within communities. Uh, amongst people that are frustrated and 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 heartbroken over what is what is what is now our future, I, I I can only hope that like it builds it builds up a local community, and I and I see people talking about that now more than they did more than they did when when Bush won, yeah, and like uh, especially the, the the second election against Kerry, like. I see I see more people talking about it now it's like how do we how do we build within our community and make sure people are safe yeah. and I really that's that's my only hope in this is that maybe we can all work together to listen instead of talking over one right. another and maybe we don't have to go through another like maybe we don't have to tolerate the kind of media out the new the, the kind of news outlets that we have during another election cycle.
2: Yeah, I'm, it uh, looked like pro wrestling. Like, well, the, certainly the cable news, but I thought yeah. I was reading pretty. The fact that no one in the mainstream media saw the poss—very few people anyway—saw mm-hmm. the possibility of this actually coming to pass is sort of not sort of. It's deeply troubling to me too. Mm-hmm. No one. Predicted nobody this. said that I mean they they'd feature the odd the Washington Post featured a, did an article on this stats guy mm. who's been accurate with every single election since 84 he doesn't use a real stats model it's based on these true false it's like a model he's created it's not stats it's just like a totally based on sort of economic uh, and cultural conditions mm-hmm. and he like in the summer was like based on all of this Trump's going to win but he also said, Trump's going to win, but he's likely going to be impeached. And they're like, what? He's like, well, just given all the stuff he does and, yeah. and the various lawsuits he's in, he will likely be impeached within a year. Which I'm sure he's That's hoping I, for. I think he's hoping for it. And then you got Pence, who yeah. is a monster. Yeah. You're, I Maybe hope, I know. I, uh, I know, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, You're okay. at least you're in Canada right now at a nice pizza place.
1: Yeah, this is a great pizza <laughs> place. Do <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, you want to talk about music? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think we, we've got it. I think we covered all the things I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Do you want to talk about fake limbs? What do you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, whatever. Great band. Thank you. Uh, you guys are playing Toronto tonight. Yes. And the new record is Matronly. Matronly, and yes. And what does that mean? Uh, it means uh, it means motherly, doesn't right. it? Right, it does. <laughs> and and we established earlier that a lot of people view you as being this kind of figurehead type person. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. know what to describe you as motherly, but uh, no, I, I'll take it. Is there is there a reason why you chose that as a kind of umbrella? I kind of just want I I, I kind of I, I don't
1: know. I really liked that idea using. I like the idea of using that word for a title. Yeah. Um, we the last album was called "The Power of Patrician Upbringing" and yeah, I which initially was supposed to be a concept about uh, FDR, uh, <laughs> which got scrapped very quickly. Just but this we kept notion the title. of being
2: like because he was part of an aristocratic, uh, an aristocratic family is that mm-hmm. the notion right? Yeah. So, uh, and
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. We, I think, uh, I think hubris got the best of us on that, right. and the, so we scrapped that, and just, but we kept the title, and as, and I was really not in favor of that, and I just said, okay, fine, if we're keeping this title, the next record's called Matronly.
2: I mean, we, we kind of, I think both of us shot down this notion of, of uh, this particular election result as potentially being good fodder for anything, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you, you've heard people talking about such issues and they've kind of made their way into your lyrics right a little bit yeah it was
1: more so like there's one song that's about um about people that kind of talk over the black lives matter movement and inconvenience and inconvenience Yeah, yeah yeah um which was based on just being at a bar and hearing right some cracker run his mouth and I was just I had just had it and then like went into the I went to the bathroom at the bar to cool off and like somebody had written on the wall like Black Lives Matter and they scribbled out and another person had scribbled out black and wrote all right and I was like I can't take this like, right
2: and but at some point you probably thought that's gonna be uh, the nadir it's <laughs> not gonna get worse than that right and now we're here. And now we're here. And and I mean the cabinet that Trump is thinking of putting into place from what we've heard anyway is diabolical. Just like the biggest collection of assholes. Kid Rock is in the cabinet. I think so, yeah. <laughs> I think he's gonna be there and Scott. Baio, Scott Bale. <laughs> No, I think Scott Baio should be in charge of that. Yeah. He should be in charge of something. <laughs> he's, That's he, his background, being yeah, in charge. Yeah, he's been in charge before. Yeah, he's like you. No, he's not <laughs> like you. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I know that it's seeped in. Uh, I guess, it re- are you writing new songs right now?
1: We aren't writing anything right now. We're just touring right. and like, playing, playing uh, stuff that we've already written. We haven't had a lot of time to write anything lately, uh, simply because, like, we were working on the album in the spring and mixed it in the the end, like at the beginning of summer. And then um, everybody's lives just got busy. Like we didn't really play a lot of shows over the summer. Right. Um, and then I was out with other bands for a month and a half. So, yeah.
2: Well, the, the the sound of the band appeals to me because it's the sound I grew up trying to play. You know, oh. like kind of that. For lack of a better term, I guess you'd call it post-hardcore or whatever. Sure, or yeah. Whatever the I don't it's, know.
1: It, I am very cautious about owning up to like the punk thing because I've like we play with punk bands every now and then, but like I don't I don't know if we fit into the punk circle at least in Chicago. Like oh really? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I that, but that could also just be me being
2: really self-conscious about like well, what is the what does that mean though. <sighs> I, I guess because Does Chicago have its own current punk sound.
1: No, not sound, but oh. community. Oh. and like we just don't play those shows. So it see, I feel like if we keep saying like we're a punk band, it's like we're almost like being poserish. But well, I, I think yeah. our stuff. Yeah, maybe I'm being. Maybe I'm. No,
2: I just think I. Sorry, I have trouble with all that stuff. Just because I think of punk is uh, this open-ended concept. I do too. And it's, you know, and I know I'm going to sound like a, some, I just think it's a state of mind. As yeah, I don't. I don't know I how agree. to talk about this That sounding, uh, whatever. No. really uh, precious
1: about it, but. Uh, I definitely agree. I, I, I agree that it's, I, I feel like it's, for us, it's definitely more you concept. You guys are a else. punk
2: band. I don't <laughs> think there's any way around that. I say post-hardcore because of, I think of, you know, there is a kind of slew of Artists who I think I can hear within what you're doing, Mm, mm -hmm. and I they're kind of. Anytime you put "post" in front of something, it's because you can't really figure out how to classify it exactly, right? You're like, it's like a punk band, it's like a, a, but it's like after punk, (laughs) (laughs) it's a post-punk band or a post-hardcore band. You got guitar solos. (laughs) Well, it often means that the drumming is sort of a certain. Anyway, yeah, it's very hard to explain. I was having, um, I was (laughs) out in California a couple months ago and.
1: I was having dinner with a bunch of friends. One of them is this uh, woman named Grace Ambrose, who's um, the uh, coordinating editor for Maximum Rock and Roll. Oh yeah. And um, I love her. She is. Uh, I feel like she is going to be the force that keeps punk going, at least in America. Um, uh, but we were we were all having dinner, and one of her friends was like. We were talking about venues, and I was like, oh, he mentioned this place called The Firehouse in Worcester, Massachusetts, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, my band's played there. And he was like, who's your band? And I was like, Fake Limbs. We're not a punk band. And and Grace just kind of, like, patted me on the back, and she was like, it's okay. <laughs> and that was where... And we were having dinner with this... With you this, said we're not a punk band. I said we're not a punk band. Huh. And, she, and she just patted me on the back, and she's like, it's all right, buddy. And... But we were having dinner with this other band called Royal Headache from Australia, uh-huh. and she just pointed at them and she was like, "They're not a punk band." <laughs> and then two nights later, they were on Seth Meyers. Oh, <laughs> so, like, <huh>.
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess punk is almost a dirty word at some point. Like, no one really knows what to do with it anymore. But but I don't know. I still I, I still relate. It. I relate to it. Yeah, I do and, too. And uh, there's a
1: lot of good like punk bands out there still.
2: Yeah, and you guys have that kind of. Noisy. You're like a noise rock, but mm-hmm. riff-oriented guitar, drums, screamy vocal. Yeah. Kind of. Um, did you ever listen to Flag Camp? Do you remember Flag Camp from? Flight Camp. Flag. Flag. Flag, Flag Camp from Toronto. No. Okay. There were a uh, Steve worked with them on really? a, a record or something, and and then in the early '90s, and then when Shellac really started going, I was like, I've never talked to Steve about this, but I'm like, oh, there's because I think I think for some people, Shellac shellac are their own thing mm. but uh, I think some people are like oh yeah you know Jesus Lizard shellac or whatever like there was just like a lumped in thing there but mm-hmm. flight camp were this you do. I, I think of Flight Camp a little bit with Fake limbs. Oh, and you have probably never heard them. I've never heard of. But them. But you've heard, and you are you presumably you you like Shellac. You mentioned. I do. Probably a Jesus Lizard fan. Uh,
1: yes, yeah. but I'm I'm very tired of hearing that comparison. Oh, you get that with the band. Yeah. Oh. I think be I I think because because we're from Chicago. Oh, right. Because yeah. um, electrical audio. Electrical audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. because yeah. I the way I perform as a front person I run around and act like an idiot, but I'm also not I'm not pulling my schwanz out in front of people <laughs> no, I, uh, or uh, being uh, transgressive uh, in any way like, if, I I may, like if
2: I may, if I may, I think the the style of David Yao singing was kind of unpredictable like he would, actually that wasn't always the case, but he had a kind of had a way of shouting, but it sounded like he was in the distance or a little yeah. bit or, or that he was half talking to you and and all of a sudden he might scream at you uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a little bit of that in l- what you do. A little a bit. A little bit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I feel like I'm, I am I always feel like I'm trying to be in terms of a live, a live setting. I feel like, like the live setting is much more important to us as a band yeah. than like the record. But I feel like in a live setting I'm trying to like be on a level of like somebody like Carla Bozulich who's like very much like very raw in her performance, where right. you're kind of not—you're really not sure where she's going to go with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I and I'm I, I'm just trying to be. Okay, I'm just
2: trying to be her. Be more like Carla. Yeah. Have you ever seen like Evangelista? Have you seen mm-hmm. her? Yeah, unbelievable record. I yeah. I've been. She's she's
1: one of those artists that I've been, very moved. Yeah, by her live performances. Yeah, she was like. She's living in Chicago for like a hot minute too, and she's there now. No, 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 oh, no. no. Oh. This was years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, so we would like, she'd come into the record store and we would talk and stuff. And I was always very fond of her. Like, yeah, she's a she's one of my favorite artists. Yeah,
2: I've had a chance to talk to her a couple of times, and uh, it was it was great. And her records are amazing. Yeah, so. she's great. Well, I don't mean to. Uh you know, you know, the, the, you know. You asked at one point, like, don't you want to talk about the music? And, <laughs> well, I uh, don't mean when I say you
1: say the music. Like, don't you want to talk about my music? I know. No, I, I, I mean, just want to talk about music.
2: <laughs> I want to talk about music stuff too. But I do think, uh, you know, when you get down to band comparison stuff, mm-hmm. it has more to do with the person doing the comparison than the band sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Like my reference points. If all I listened to was. Uh, Bob Dylan, hmm. which I do listen to Bob Dylan, but if mm-hmm. I, it's the only thing I listen to, I'd be like, you know, there's parts of your records <laughs> that sound a lot like Bob Dylan, and you'd be like, what? Yeah. I don't, I guess. Where? what? And, and it. all I'm saying is, I know the Jesus Lizard and mm-hmm. Shellac quite intimately, and I mentioned a band you never even really heard before, yeah. and so that's just all stuff in me that I'm projecting onto you and your thing, and I can see how at some point, because if the same thing keeps coming up, yeah, that that can be both. I imagine it must be weirder because you're familiar with the band. Mm-hmm. But if multiple people are like, "You guys kind of sound like flag Camp," you might think, "Oh, there must be a grain of truth to this. Right. Something must be happening here."
1: We've we've gotten the "Rye Coalition" tag oh, a couple times. Interesting, and. Um, oh, that one, I'm kind of like, oh, that makes sense.
2: There, That did, uh, not necessarily Rye Coalition, but Hoover. Like, there was a couple of, whatever. Like, I think it's just because that's, for lack of a better, <laughs> I don't want to insult you, but there's no, something kind of 90s about, yeah. there was a 90s punk hardcore sound mm-hmm. that seemed to become... I don't know why it just like I don't know what record started it, uh, but it seemed to formalize a little bit. Like every town had a band kind of like that, yeah. that seemed to be able to play intricately, uh, and then had these vocalists that were very emotive and very powerful, uh, and and then it was just a vital part of growing up in 90s underground music. You just see a band like that and you, you would love them. Yeah. And so so all I'm saying is fake limbs, what I'm trying to say, and I'm not doing a good job. You push those buttons for me, obviously. That's oh. what I'm bringing up. Oh, wow. That's what I'm bringing up for, as a reference point, which I didn't want to do. But uh, sometimes when you're talking about music too, and you know that people are listening to this, so I'm trying to figure out a way for them to relate to sure. this before we play a song, because we're going to play a song soon. Oh, okay. I hope if you let me, I'll play yes, a fake limb course. song so that people can yes. actually hear what we've been yakking about for themselves (laughs) and uh all this to say like i imagine i think you and i are around the same age i'm 39 i'll be 40 in march okay so i'm 38 i'll be 39 next month okay so we're about the same age so Mm -hmm. i imagine we have some of the same interest well i know we have some of the same interests yeah and maybe your bandmates are you obviously get along with them on a musical level and on a musical level (laughs) (laughs) When they post stupid stuff on Facebook, you're like, dude, please. One of them double parked the car
1: with the trailer in front of an alley today (laughs) because he was like tired of driving and everybody, all of them went in to get coffee and I was like, okay, I guess. And then sure enough, two cars come out of the alley and are like leaning on their horn I'm like. Thanks, thanks, gang. I can
2: see why we did this by ourselves. Uh, <laughs> you needed some time alone from these scoff laws, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a great band.
0: And, Thank uh, you. And I love them very much. And you're and
2: on. Uh, you got a new label. Don Giovanni.
1: Yeah. I, yes. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, it is. I didn't think they would take us. Uh, the, the band. We we were working on this record and. We wanted to do something a little bit more, like Boulevard out of Chicago put out our last two records. Yeah. And they're great. They're such sweet people. But I I think we were all like, let's just, let's see if anybody else wants it. And we even told Boulevard right off the bat, and they were like, if nobody wants it, we'll put it out. But right. you should definitely go somewhere oh, else. nice. Like, they were in full support That's of it. That's
2: nice. Yeah. And has
1: it helped? Um, I think so. I, I think it's helped a little bit. I think a couple people know about us some more. I think touring—we did tours with Bully last year. Yeah. I think those were that really helped. Yeah. Um. So, I, but approaching Don Giovanni, I was like, they're not going to take us. And the ba- the rest of my band said, just ask, just ask them, give them a proposal, and. I sent it to Joe at Don Giovanni, and he got back to me, and he was like, "Yeah, let's do it. Like, it'll yeah. be it'll be fun." We and and that's kind of the that's the character that Joe is. Is like he's just he finds bands that he likes, and I think what initially started as kind of a, more of a pop punk label is now growing into something much bigger. Yeah, um, especially with um, the release of the More Mother album. Right. Um, I think I that's probably the best record I've heard this year in terms of just like a strong unique artistic statement oh. I think I think what what more mother is doing is profound
2: oh um, I, have to, I haven't heard the record I oh it out. yeah very good I, uh, very you're, good you, you know, I've said this to you off the record here mm. but you're a source for me when you talk about a record on Facebook or something I check them out and I always love them oh but I must have missed yeah. your post about this one I have
1: I haven't said much uh, about about more Mother only because I've uh, I don't know I've just, I haven't been online that much lately <laughs> but funny. More Mother was touring with Screaming Females yeah. on this tour so yeah. I got to see them perform every night for four weeks and no set was the same and they were all very very intense performances and I just I think that I think that what Kamei is doing with that, with that group is very very important and I th- i think I think she's going to be a force to be reckoned with nice. soon enough yeah. I'm going to check it out more yeah. mother more mother okay it's called fetish
2: bones fetish bones yeah I like it yeah I don't know what it means but I like it it's heavy it <laughs> <laughs> probably means something heavy and I'm kind of chuckling but I, I yeah I want to check that out yeah are you good otherwise I'm okay how are you I'm alright it's weird. I, it's been a weird time. It's it's just weird. We here in Canada also, you know, as we're speaking, we uh, we just learned Leonard Cohen passed away. Yeah, and uh, not that we here in Canada. I don't think he was a Canada secret or anything, but uh, yeah, it's and then the Trump stuff and uh, yeah, it's it's just strange right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm relatively okay. You're, uh, yeah. I just hope you're okay. I'm okay. I'm just
1: hugging more. Yeah, like I like is and as creepy as that statement sounds alone, <laughs> it's just like you see people that you care and love about, and you just want to kind of like. It seems to be embrace them.
2: That's all you can do. I hope uh, things work out uh, okay down in your country. Thank you. And that, as like I said, it impacts all of us, so we're all watching and hoping for the best. Yeah, I hope, except for the. White nationalists. I don't know what they're hoping for. Uh, they're not hoping for yeah. the best. They're just... Yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. So the record is uh, matronly. Yep. It's uh, where where can people learn more about your band and the record? We have a we have a Bandcamp
1: page. Yeah. Um, it's just fakelimbs.bandcamp.com. There's Facebook. Fakelimbs.com. Does, does
2: your partner not work for Bandcamp now?
1: Full disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My partner does work for Bandcamp. How's that and going? It's going very well. They are, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I was initially a journalist. I I studied journalism. I used to write a lot. And, um, and then I met this wonderful person who's, who's my partner now. And are you allowed to say their name? Sure. I'll say their name. I don't know. You
2: seem, I feel like we've been talking about them in a,
1: no, their name's Jess
2: Skolnick. Um, prominent uh journalists yeah themselves has verified on twitter which did that just happen that happened a little while ago
1: and i was like what the f- I, I what about <laughs> oh you feel like jess is more <laughs> famous more famous than- oh god jess is so much more famous <laughs> than i am and the joke for a long time because of electrical and stuff is like because um, we would like go places and like or like go to other cities and stuff and see and like somebody would be like oh man Soli what's up and <laughs> Jess would always be like famous Steven Soli <laughs> and, and now the the roles have changed I'm nobody
2: <laughs> I didn't know Jess uh, until the last couple of years mm-hmm. and then uh, they seemed yeah profiles really high yeah doing lots of stuff um, well deserved too very, Well deserved, very talented person very talented yeah uh, well,
1: edits as they write which is maddening to me. I can't do that. I like they uh-huh. I, like I'll see something that they write and it's so beautiful. Like they they just had this incredible way with words. And I'll text them and I'll be like, "Did you write that on your lunch break?" And I'm like, "Yep." One and I'm like, "Do you do you do any first drafts or anything? Like no, I just write. Yeah. And to have that kind of talent is—that's
2: amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're and they're really good.
2: Right. Yeah. And they're at Bandcamp. They're at Bandcamp. And
1: doing journalism stuff. Yeah. So, uh-huh. yeah. And like doing occasional stuff for Pitchfork and uh, occasional, but. And you're both in Chicago. Family. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: So anyway, all this to say, <laughs> sorry. That was just it's okay. I like Jess I love Jess One of my first uh, interactions with Jess was I think Jess was on Twitter And they complimented uh, The Ian Mackay, Steve Albini podcast I had done mm-hmm. um, I don't even think that they added me I think I just found it because I was searching oh. for Well, there was a stream of people talking about it at the time so. Okay, alright You weren't just people?
1: like typing no, in your no, name I, I wasn't
2: I, That day I wasn't <laughs> But uh, Jess uh, was just like you know I forget what it was just like loving or geeking out on this whatever I can't remember what the phrase was but they're I've from
1: they're from DC like oh like okay that, that so was they know like, Ian yeah okay and they kind of they came up working with Positive Force and oh like, okay yeah like their first show was Bikini Kill
2: oh wow yeah good good for that <laughs> that's it's amazing a,
1: yeah when those Fugazi live the live archive came yes. out yes. We were like at home looking through like all the shows. I was like, I went to that one. I saw that show in Burlington, Vermont. That was me. I was like, I saw that show in Burlington, Vermont. And they were like, I saw this one, this one, this one, <laughs> this one, this one. And their first show, the X and No Means No opened up for them. Like that was the first Fugazi show they went to and it was like oh, wow. the X and No Means No wow. opened up. Amazing.
2: Yeah. That's amazing.
1: They're you know, they've punk is our first date, and they were like, "Punk rock saved my life." That was like five minutes into our date, and I was like, "Cool, oh, I love you so much." That's
2: amazing. Yeah. Well, you seem very happy, and all as well. You. So, okay, so uh, yeah, Bandcamp uh, for Fake Limbs. Yes. Maybe doing some more touring. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Keep an eye on. Is that the main hub? We're. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Twitter or
1: anything. We have. There's a Fake Limbs Twitter that gets yeah. updated occasionally. Mainly the Facebook, the Fake Limbs Facebook page. Okay. I think it's I think right now if you just go fakelimbs.com it immediately routes to the Facebook. The Facebook. Okay. So that'll be the main hub.
2: Well, I'm 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 hoping that people that uh, aren't familiar with the band check you out. Ah, oh. People who listen to the show. Is there a Fake Limbs song from I guess from Matronly that we can go out on? Um let's go with um let's go with little bit. Little bit? Yeah. Now, why is that? That one's about Jess. Oh. Yeah. What is it about? Can you talk about it a I little mean,
1: bit? I mean, it's just some stuff. A little bit's my term for, for Jess. Oh. Because they're a little tiny
0: person. Okay.
2: We'll send this like out matter. to Jess. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Steven, this was a great pleasure. I'm glad, um, I'm glad we had time. And I know you're a podcast a fan I think you like podcasts I or do something. yeah and uh, so it means a lot to me to have a, someone who uh, likes the form I don't know what I'm talking about but it's nice to have you on the show
1: I'm so flattered that you would actually want to talk to me well, on you've been show. Y-
2: you have also been kind to me over the years oh, uh, nice. about my show and about my work so I do appreciate that as well oh and, well and, and
0: thanks I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go
1: cry and run no, into no, the don't, street no no don't cry <laughs> Stephen
2: you're a great person and I thank you for being on the show thank you very much Fish. thank you new album Matronly that was Fake Limbs with Lil Bit dedicated to Jess Skolnick thank you Stephen Soley for being on this show and hanging out with me in Toronto it was fun for me it was fun I had a good time I miss Stephen already he's a wonderful sweetheart of a man so go check out Fake Limbs they're great this episode of Creative Control with Vishkana would not be possible were it not for the kind sponsorship of two local businesses the bookshelf is an independently owned bookstore bar music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. This episode is also brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas, uh, or you can choose from an array of other stuff. Calzones, wings, panzerottis. Salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or trocaderoguelph.ca. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. There, I just earned my family some more free pizza. Creative Control of Vishkana is available via iTunes and Audioboom, audioboom.com. You can learn more about all of these things at my website, vishkana.com. You can also go to my site to learn how to make a flexible monthly donation to the program via Patreon, patreon.com. There's links on uh, at uh, vishkana.com that point you to other things, including our Facebook page, which you can like, our Twitter, at Creative, which you can follow. I'm at Vishkana, which you can follow me, too. A version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time, courtesy of CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. Uh, If you're in the area, turn on the radio. If you're not in the area, listen to us around the world at CFRU.ca. All right, that's it for this episode. Uh, My son has a chest cold, so I'm going to go figure out uh, how he's doing. He's been coughing a little bit. I'm going to go talk to him. You talk to your kids and your parents, too, and hug people and love them, because... It's just all we can do sometimes. Thank you very much. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts.